Welcome to the Trinity Galewood podcast. Here you'll find live messages recorded during our weekly services at Trinity. We are a community that desires to look, live, and love more like Jesus. We're located at 1701 North Narragansett in Chicago and meet every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. We hope you enjoy this episode of the Trinity Galewood podcast. All right, let's pray. Father, we thank you uh, for this day. Lord, I thank you uh, for your teaching when, uh, when it's easy to hear and also when it's difficult to hear. I pray, God, today uh, that as we lean into your word and see once again how you are generous and how you challenge us to be generous, um, that, that we, by your spirit, uh, wouldn't just hear this, but uh, would also be challenged to action in our daily lives. So guide and lead us today uh, through your spirit. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to begin today uh, with a confession. Uh, I am not a good gift giver. Does anybody want to join me in this confession so far? All right. Some of your hands are up. All right. Uh, You could go and talk to my wife uh, or my kids or maybe even my parents, I don't know, my whole family. I'm just, I'm just not a good gift giver. Uh, when it comes to like those examples of, you know, when you talk about love languages and stuff like that, like I'm through the roof in like quality time and deep conversation and sharing my emotions. I'm trying to make up for the other stuff I'm not good at here. Uh, but when it comes to gift giving, I am just not a good gift giver. And to prove that, I don't have to go far. In fact, uh, this last Christmas, I gave my wife the gift, and uh, it was this thing right here. I actually brought it with me. It's uh, known as a massage gun, all right? It falls into the category of not being a good gift. (laughs) But let me try to explain some things here, all right? So, um, so I gave, uh, I remember my wife talking about how uh, she was describing how she was having some pain in her back and her neck or in, in her knee and stuff like that. So uh, I was like, perfect. I'm gonna do some research and these things are kind of becoming popular. It's like, I'm gonna find a good massage gun for my wife. And so uh, I went into like hours of research. You can go on Amazon and you can find hundreds of different massage guns that range from like the amount of battery life that they have, uh, the amount of sound that it makes, to like the like speeds that it has, the attachments that come with it, all kinds of things. My bad gift giving isn't because I didn't put time into it, all right? And it's also not because I'm cheap. This thing is pretty expensive, all right? And so, uh, so Christmas finally came. The time came where we are celebrating, and uh, she opens up this gift that I gave her, and she gave me this familiar look that I see. Like, what in the world is this thing? I was like, babe, it's a, it's a massage gun. Like, why don't you just test it out? Try it out. So she tried it out for a little bit, and she just goes, all right, it's, it's okay, which means that she has only used it one time since, and that's all that there is, all right? Now, if I were to analyze my bad gift giving, it's not because I don't put time and research into it or because I'm cheap. 
what I would come to find is that my bad gift giving comes to this point in time where I get so zeroed in on a gift and I start thinking about it so much and then I have this thought process of, you know what? This isn't just a good gift for my wife. This is a good gift for me. Is anybody with me on this? You want to raise your hand? If so, you definitely need to join in on this confession here, all right? Because there becomes this point in time for me where all of a sudden I start thinking that, all right, this gift would be really good for the family. Like, I mean, I can think about times where I've like, had the decision of buying a gift that I knew my wife would love and I would hate, and then I found a gift that maybe she would like, but it would be good for all of us. Because here's the reality about this massage gun. This thing is awesome. <laughs> this thing works great. I love this thing. The different speeds that it comes with, all this kind of stuff. I'll let you try it out after church. You can't borrow it. It's mine. I mean, it's my wife's. It's, it's, it's awesome. And here's the thing. So I kind of analyze this whole scenario and situation. Um, the reality is, is that this really isn't a gift. It's not. And in fact, it's not even me being generous at all. It's not an act of generosity. In fact, I'd be willing to argue that it is exactly what we're talking about today, a moment of imitation generosity. Because in the process, all I'm doing is thinking about myself, instead of thinking about the other. Today, we're going to keep going in this series called really is, okay, and, uh, and how the Bible talks about generosity. Because what we talked about last week is that um, the Bible defines generosity in four different ways. Uh, these four ways of service, volunteerism, and time. That we are called to be generous in, in the things that we do. That we're called to be generous in our emotional support and how we relate with others. That we're called to be generous in our giving and our finances. Sometimes we hear generosity and we just think it's only number three. To be real, generosity also involves number three as well. It involves our giving as well. And lastly, our hospitality. That we are called to be generous in inviting people into our lives and how we care for others. And the reality is, is that when, when God talks about generosity, he doesn't just use one of these things to define generosity. He's looking at all four of these because he cares about all four of them. And last week we talked about this concept that, that we understand generosity from the lens of that God himself is generous. Remember we were defining generosity this way, that real generosity is about changing you, which leads you to a point of sacrifice. That it's not just tied to an amount, but it's tied to the fact that true, real generosity will lead you to spaces and places where it changes you. And it'll take you to a point of sacrifice. We talked about the story of Zacchaeus. And I'm not even going to sing the song here this week, all right? 
But the story of Zacchaeus and how God was so generous with Zacchaeus, taking all the hate and anger that was towards him and takes it himself as an act of generosity that changes Zacchaeus and likewise changes us as well. Now, here's the thing. God desires for you and me to be generous. It, it says this in his word in many different spaces and places. And maybe you've heard of this list before. Uh, it's known as the fruits of the spirit. Has anybody heard of these before? They come from Galatians chapter five. And I want us to read this verse together. We're gonna try to do this together here. So let's read Galatians 5, 22 through 23, talking about the fruits that should come from our lives. The fruits of the spirit. So let's read it together. But... The fruit of the Spirit. Man, you say that with such passion. <laughs> Does it seem like something might be missing here? Like, why are you talking about this verse? I don't see anything about generosity here. Well, what's interesting is that when you look at this list that Paul talks about, he's talking about that we should bear these things. And that when we look at this list, we see this word goodness. But what in the world does that mean? What does it mean to bring goodness into this world? What Paul is getting at and wants us to see is that to bring goodness in this world actually requires us to be generous. To bring goodness into this world, we have to learn what it means to be generous. Generous in many different ways of our lives. In fact, if you were to look at this word in the original language, it would give you another definition of generosity. That you and I are called to act and produce generosity and goodness. So the question becomes, all right, well, how in the world do we do that? So I want to give you an image to begin with today. And the image is this. Uh, maybe you've had this moment before um, where you've been traveling somewhere in the city of Chicago, whether it's a place that you know where it is or you just want to go at the most efficient way possible. And you pull out your maps, right, or your any GPS device. I don't know if anybody still uses a Garmin anymore or like Google Maps or Waze or whatever it is that you use. And have you ever had this moment before that when you pull this thing out, all of a sudden it's telling you that you're about to hit an area and a zone that is just filled with all kinds of traffic? Have you ever had this moment before? And of course, in the city of Chicago, we want to avoid this at all costs, right? And so there comes this point in time where we are at what we would call literally a fork in the road where I either trust this app that's telling me to go a different direction or I trust myself in what I see. Anybody been there before? Had a moment like this? where we get to the spot of where we either trust ourselves or we trust something outside of ourselves. Knowing that if we trust something outside of ourselves, it means that we literally don't trust what is in my gut. Now, 
I am somebody who is a little bit stubborn and generally defaults to the fact of I'm going to trust my gut on this one. This becomes challenging for us. Not only in just this little situation of how do we get somewhere more efficiently, but as it plays out in our lives of when we're called to do something that maybe isn't the way that we want to go. I need you to understand that generosity is not a skill that we master as if I give enough, then I'm generous. It's something that we're always going to be working on. You never fully master it. Generosity isn't a a magic potion that removes some mess. It comes with a lot of messiness. And and generosity isn't a task that you just check off the to-do list as if, all right, accomplished it and it's done. I would argue that generosity is, is a map that guides and leads us into places and spaces. Now, now here's the thing. I, I get that all metaphors can break down and you can try to like already say, oh, well, I don't know about that, Pastor Dave. I, I, I acknowledge the fact that there will be times and points where your gut will lead you into the right way and that your gut and the map are going the same direction. There are times where that happens. But if I were to be real here today, I also know that there are times where we seem to be going in different directions. That the map is pointing us to something that is a little bit more difficult for us to achieve and do than what I necessarily want to do. And so, it's in that understanding that generosity leads us into places that we have to intentionally understand that will have us thinking about others. That real generosity is this. It's a map that has us giving with an intention of someone else. I want you to get this point. Real generosity, not imitation generosity, that has us only thinking about ourselves. Real generosity is a map that has us giving with an intention of someone else. And And instead of me just sharing stories, I want to point you to a story of Jesus, a teaching that Jesus himself gives that is so challenging, that has us understanding a little bit more of what generosity really does look like. It's interesting, in this story, we read um, this parable of the Good Samaritan. You've probably heard it before. And and in this story, uh, the context is this. There's this man who's a lawyer, uh, which means he's somebody who knows a lot of things about the law. He knows a lot of things about what God's law has said in the past and all kinds of things. And he all of a sudden stands up and raises his hand and he has a question for Jesus. And it's in this moment that Jesus will answer his question through a story And the complexity of this story is beautiful, and I could talk for days on all of the aspects of it. But today, the aspect that I need you to see in the story of the Good Samaritan is that it teaches us about generosity. And and I want to warn you on the front end of this, that, that this story is like a coin that has two sides, 
that there's two sides to this story of what Jesus is saying. On one side of this story, the story is teaching us that, that God is here and he comforts the afflicted. That's one side of the story. Yet the other side of the story is this, is that this story also afflicts the comfortable. It becomes challenging to both. And so let's, let's get in to this story. We read that a lawyer stands up and says, um, has this question for Jesus, and then Jesus goes into a story, the parable of the Good Samaritan. And uh, in this story, uh, we read that there is a man who is traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. Interestingly enough, that was like the same route that we were talking about last week, right? It's at reverse. And this path that they would take from Jerusalem to Jericho was a 17-mile path. It looks like this today. And they would travel, this man traveling from Jerusalem, which, by the way, is a 3,000-foot descent down. Jerusalem is a city on the hill that as he is coming down into Jericho, he's robbed. He's beaten up. His stuff is all taken and he's left for dead. And, and we read that Jesus then tells in this story, this made-up story that he gives, he says there are two people who know a ton about God's law, that know a ton of things about who God is, regular churchgoers, all kinds of people that have all kinds of answers, that have their own Bible that's marked up and all kinds of stuff. And he says that these two guys come forward and notice as they approach this man who's beaten up, this is their response. We read in verses 31 through 32. It says, Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. A, a priest, a high official, a religious person sees this man who is on the ground and he passes by on the other side. And then next, the, the next lower official, a, a Levite we read. So likewise, a Levite in verse 32, when he came to the place and saw him, he also passed by on the other side. Now, before we get too judgmental here and be like, Pfft. How could they call themselves priests and Levites? <laughs> the reality is this. What they had encountered right there was tough. It's difficult. It's going to be very uncomfortable. I mean, I don't know if they're in a time crunch or not. Jesus doesn't give us these details, but they were riding on an animal, and what that would have meant is that they would have to literally get off the animal and rework all things that they had just put together as they were coming down. Let alone the ceremonial things that are happening and going on of that they, could they actually touch this person because they might be dead and all of these complicated things that are happening and going on. And we could talk at great length about that. All I'm trying to say is that this was inconvenient for them to stop. It's more convenient for them to go around. And so Jesus then says 
in verse 33. He brings out this surprise person that someday we'll talk about at greater length, but it's a Samaritan, and he says this in verse 33, but a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, that man who was on the road, and when he saw him, he had compassion. You've probably heard the term, it's still in circulation in our culture today, the Good Samaritan. This is where that story comes from. This Samaritan comes, he sees the man that's on the road, and he has what? He has compassion. Compassion not like, oh man, that really sucks for that guy. (laughs) Well, I'm going to have to go another route. Now, compassion to the place that it moves him to action. It, we read that what Jesus says next is that it moved him to action, that he bound up his wounds with oil and water, which would have been materials that you use for healing, that he put him on his own animal. He got off of his animal and he decided to walk, and now he's putting this person who was left half dead on his animal. He takes him to an inn, and not only did he take him to the inn for a place to stay, he came back later to make sure that his dues were paid. And then, Jesus, as any good teacher would, instead of answering the question, he raises a question to see if his students are getting it. And he says this in verse 36. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the one who fell among the robbers? The obvious answer being the Samaritan and how he acted. Now, remember, I said before we started this story that this story has two sides to it. It's a coin with two sides. And and maybe you need to hear this side of the story. Maybe for you today, you showed up to church and somebody just brought you along. And you're kind of skeptical towards this whole God thing and who he is and, and all of this sorts of stuff. I want you to hear the first side of the story that that the hearers needed to hear and that, quite frankly, we need to be reminded of, is that, that Jesus is ultimately the best Samaritan. He's the one who has displayed compassion. He's the one who had compassion and was just like, ah, stinks for them. He's the one who came into this world. And that when we were beaten, broken, lost, he comes into this place and shows compassion. Compassion that would lead him to the place of that he would ultimately die on a cross and rise again from the dead. I need you to hear this first side of the coin because That is what Jesus is saying here, is that he is the one who has shown compassion coming into this world. 
But the reality is this, is that God brings comfort to the afflicted. But like I said, there's another side to this coin that we also need to hear. Because this story also can afflict the comfortable as well. You know, I I think like this would have been one of those moments for the people in that space that when they saw that Jesus had risen from the dead, they would have looked back and been like, oh yeah, remember that story told about those three people and the Samaritan and all that sorts of stuff? Like that was actually about him. I think they would have had a moment where they'd been like, yeah, no, that makes so much sense. And, and it's true, but this story isn't just about what God has done for you because Jesus adds this statement at the end that is so challenging. He says in verse 37, the second side of the coin, he says, you go and do likewise. You too are called to show compassion to your neighbor, to others. Because here's the point, and I need you to get this, that generosity is intentional about thinking about the other. The Good Samaritan was generous with his money, with his time, with his heart for others and his hospitality. He is the one in the story who lives this out and shows compassion by thinking about the other, not just thinking about himself. Because the reality is who you are, what you have, what you've been gifted with is something that can be a gift for others as well. It's who we are. Because as we're talking about, I want you to know that generosity is being intentional to think about the other. Now, before you call me like a socialist or like think that like, all right, well, what's he really getting at? I get that this is very complex and complicated in our world and who we are, but I just want us to be intentional to actually put this into practice because this is how our God has acted and that our mission is to look, live, and love more like Okay, I'm going to say it again. Our mission is to look, live, and love more like That's who we desire to be. And of course that this is filled with grace because this is how our God acts, but he also calls us to the place that we're called to be intentional about not just thinking about me. Because oftentimes I think that um, we can fall into being the bad gift giver, the, the one that thinks that, you know what, I'm really just going to give only when I can see that reward or really when it's of benefit to me. 
Now, keep this in mind, though. I want to be clear that as you go, and as you go and show compassion to other people, you have to remember this point, though. This is so important. The reality is that as you are called to be more like Jesus, you also are not Jesus, which means that you can't fix all things, all right? Here's the reality, that you can go and show compassion, but we need to have the understanding that I'm not the Savior. I'm not the one who can bring all of it together. But what God has decided to do is this. He's decided to work through you. And he's taught us that even though you can't save everything, I'm going to choose to work through you as you show compassion to others. I stumbled across this passage this week in Proverbs chapter 11, verses 24 through 25. I think it's really beautiful. Uh, The Proverbs are wisdom teachings uh, for us to take in. And it says this, that the world of the generous gets larger and larger. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. Now, what I'm not saying is that, like, hey, if you give a little bit, then you're going to get a lot more, all right? I'm not, this isn't talking about, like, a financial business plan or something like that. When we talk about generosity, we're not just thinking about money, but it includes our money. That, that the world of the generous gets larger and larger, that my world opens up when I start thinking about more than just me. Does anybody understand that? that my world gets larger when I don't think just about me. The world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller. The one who blesses others is abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped. Curses on those who drive a hard bargain, blessing on all who play fair and square. So as you go and as you show compassion to others, I need you to know that the map will lead you into places that will be uncomfortable at times. It will lead you directions that might not be what you desire and want. But it's in that very space that actually you're probably in a great place. And to ask ourselves the question, how am I intentional of thinking about others? To be to be generous in our service and our time. To to ask the question, does this actually help someone else instead of asking, do I get something in return? To be generous with our emotional support. Am I willing to listen and ask questions and stop talking providing all of the answers to questions that nobody's asking? What if I listened in the time? To to be generous in our money and thinking about others is not only in being a good gift giver, (laughs) not this, but I want to challenge you with this, that as you get your credit card statement as you analyze the things that you spend your money on, 
do all of them just go to you? Or do they, does your money go to other things besides you? And I would hope to God as well. And lastly, to be hospitable in the things that we have, to be intentional in thinking of the other, that I don't hold on too tight to the stuff that I have, but knowing that this too is a gift for someone else. I pray that as we look at generosity, of course we look at the example of who God is and what he has done and how he comforts us. Yet he also challenges us to be intentional about thinking of the other, truly understanding what generosity is. Let's pray. God, I thank you uh, that you are a God who challenges us yet also comforts us. And Lord, um, I pray that, that we would be people who out of your great generosity would be generous to one another. And that's just not bound to what's comfortable, but that's bound to even the uncomfortable situations. I know that that hits us in many different ways today. But I pray, God, uh, that we would be reminded of your great generosity and how that led you into spaces and places that are challenging and difficult, yet also brings great blessing as we're compassionate toward each other and toward those who don't even know you yet. I pray that we would be bold to do so as you are bold to do so for us. In Jesus' name, amen.